The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. We got a real simple plan. One me and one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. You're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day Podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, here's Reese Davis. 33 unbeaten teams remain in college football. How many will go down Saturday? Well, we have all of those answers. Which Pac-12 road traps will be sprung against highly ranked opponents? And what is the absolute lock for this weekend? This is the College Game Day podcast for Friday, September 23rd. The Picks Edition. I am your humble host, Reese Davis, along with Pete Thamel. And the great Bill Connolly is joining us with all of his metrics and numbers and fancy combinations, permutations, and various algorithms. Uh, Bill, before we start making picks, uh, I I have a problem. And the problem is, is that I get overly invested in whatever game that I have selected on college game day as my super dog. It's one of those things you have to pick an underdog by more than a field goal. I actually think it should be more than a touchdown, but that's another, uh, another discussion for another day. So last week, I select Western Kentucky to go on the road and beat Indiana. I'm getting, I'm getting six and a half. So I get two points for the super dog. I cover. But I should have won that game outright, Bill. Tell the people why I should have won the game outright. Yeah, no, I mean, SP Plus, my SP Plus ratings had that as a pretty big uh, disagreement with the line. I felt great about that pick. And, you know, then the game starts and, you know, Western leads most of the way. They're up 24-13 in the the third quarter. They end up with like 100 more yards, I think. Um, Better efficiency, better success rate, more explosive plays, all that stuff. Uh, and they don't win. It, it was uh, that, that was the biggest my post game win expectancy number. All the you know we talked about this previously. You know the take the predictive stats, throw them up in the air, and and it says you would have won this game X percent of the time with these stats. It was eighty nine percent for Western Kentucky. They win that game eight out of nine times basically. But this was the one out of nine where Indiana forces a red zone turnover and and gets a few more all the they gave them one it was they didn't force anything accepts it they accepted the turnover that was handed to them uh in the red zone there and they you know they they get a two-point conversion they win in overtime um and I, i i always feel bad like you know anytime we've got a team like this that has now won a couple of games that they probably shouldn't have won uh, in Indiana. I always hate it when it's Indiana or like Duke or somebody like that. It should be uh, an actual name, a team that wins a lot because their fans deserve to be every, all fans deserve to be happy at some point. Uh, And Indiana fans are very happy right now. And that happiness probably isn't going to last all that much longer, but, uh, but good for them. Congrats for being three, you know, the stats suggest uh, it was not the most deserving three and start in the world. It it is not. And Pete, I say this because I, it looks like I'm going to be buying ribeyes for the world because I'm, I'm at the bottom (laughs) of the standings. 11 and 21. No Beyond Meat, by the way. No Beyond Meat. We just want to make that very clear. (laughs) No, no. This will be actually from uh, from a cow. I just wanted you to know, Pete, that I am having some bad luck combined with some bad picks. So, I, you know, I probably should be a little better than I am, but, you know, but I'm not. So that's that's where we stand (laughs) right now. 
Yeah, you have you have done an elite job finding new ways to lose your picks, Reese. We we appreciate we appreciate the creativity because the extra pain gives us slight delight. Yeah, because but, well, because you're so much better. You're you're a whole <laughs> right. you're a, a whole full two games ahead of me. Way to go! Oh, Pete's on a heater. <laughs> yeah, that's I really fine. shouldn't be. I, I really shouldn't be ahead among the three of us with a 15 and 17 record, but I mean, I'll take it. Just I'm not getting gonna, warmed I'm not up. We're only down. a quarter of the way through the season. Uh, you know what? The, it's funny. Sarah is the only one with a winning record. And Taylor's under 500. Yeah, well, that's, that's why you shouldn't Sarah, gamble. <laughs> well, that's because Sarah is busy getting all of the coaches from all of her alma maters fired from Nebraska and Arizona <laughs> State. And so, I mean, if you cross Sarah, uh, you're probably going to be out of a job. That's why it's why she's getting all of her picks right. So you guys ready to die? Sarah's taking online credit at Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah, are yeah. they next? Are, are they next, Pete? I mean, I wouldn't ever put anything past Auburn, but I would think, you know, those two are going to be in a similar uh, – I don't think either of those coaches will be coaching on Halloween. Let's put yeah. it that way. You know what? Uh, I'm sure Pete will update this because nobody does in the whole industry a better job than Pete of getting the last-minute information – See the story that uh, T.J. Finley uh, might not be able to play for Auburn. Robbie Ashford, who's a guy I really liked coming out of high school, but he's been erratic. I would assume it's going to go. Calzada has been buried. They play Missouri this week, and that, that could turn into after what happened against Penn State, the way the game went, not just losing it. That could turn into a really, really big deal uh, for Auburn on Saturday. Yeah, that was that was demoralizing the way it played out. I just I'd like to see a little more from the Missouri offense. I'm not sure they're going to be able to replicate the Penn State formula in that regard. But maybe you know maybe they've been saving some stuff in reserve and they uh, kept it vanilla against Abilene Christian on Saturday on purpose. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to see some QB run game from both and Luther Burden maybe doing some for Missouri. But yeah, that will not be. Uh, there may not be a whole lot of coach tape coming from the Plains on Saturday. <laughs> he hasn't. Um... We've been teasing Luther Burden, Luther Burden, Luther Burden. Uh, I feel like uh, the Steinbrenner character on Seinfeld. My my scouts, they said, they, they said, Ken Phelps, Ken Phelps, Ken Phelps. You know, Burden's a talent. I don't feel like he's touching the ball enough. Yeah, yeah he definitely didn't it against Kansas State. He, he yeah. um, first punted the game against Abilene Christian. As soon as it goes up in the air, I'm watching it and thinking, oh, man, that's returnable. And sure enough, it bounces right to him, and he trots for like 70 yards and a touchdown around the side. But um, – yeah, as far Did as you the go action, to that game, Bill, I, I'm in Columbia. I go. I, I never. Know. I don't stay. All right, no, that's good. That's <laughs> I don't good. stay, no, but I, I go. Um, so I got to see that, and um, I mean, he's he, I, again, like if you had offensive changes to make after getting blown out by Kansas State, you're probably not going to unleash them on mm-hmm. Abilene Christian. You're going to save them for the for for Auburn and so on. So we'll see. But yeah, the, he has not gotten a lot of touches within the actual flow of the offense yet. It, in the immortal words of one of the great uh, former senior coordinating producers at ESPN, the legendary Barry Sachs, it is time for who and by how many. So let's make some picks, guys. What do you say, Taylor? You are laying out the games and the order in which you're making selections. I'm going to try once again to improve on going with my gut instinct and not overanalyze these and see if I can change my fortunes. You guys ready to pick? Do we have any more pressing business uh, before we call to order this meeting and start picking games? Let's roll. Let's roll. Taylor, game up. Let's go. All right. As a reminder, this is the race for the ribeye. The loser amongst you three uh, at the end of the season is going to, uh, or I guess the two losers will pay for the winner's dinner. And I thought we should uh, have a reminder of that every time we we select a game here. So first up, Clemson 
is a seven-point favorite going to Wake Forest. Let's go Reese, Pete, Bill. It is good! This is easy, and this is a stone-cold lock of the week. This is Clemson and the cover. This is Clemson big. Uh, There are certain teams that don't match up well. And the way you blow up the slow mesh is by having defensive linemen who eat up the offensive linemen and the backfield. Recent results. Clemson has beaten Wake Forest by 21. Clemson has beaten them by 24. Clemson has beaten them by 49. And Clemson has beaten them by 60. They won't do that to them. And I know Clemson has offensive problems. You can take this one to the to the ribeye store. Clemson covers with ease. So I, uh, I having a knack for missing big games and big moments, I left Boone on Saturday and went to Wake Forest and uh, watched their Liberty game. And Liberty is a salty little outfit, by the way. They have some yeah. pretty good. They have some pretty good skill. I was I was impressed seeing them uh, seeing them in person. Liberty's defensive ends completely negated the slow mesh at Wake Forest. I believe rushed for 21 yards and they completely took Wake Forest out of what it does best, which is a sign of a well-coached team. And we all know Hugh Freeze can coach football. So Wake Forest survived on a failed two point conversion. And you can't, you, I could not leave that stadium in good conscience and not think Clemson's defensive line has the capabilities to do the same thing to wake that they did uh i actually wrote a column uh from that game that ran on espn.com earlier this week the deacons have lost by an average of 38.5 points in the last four years but they're seven point underdogs so there is a little bit of coach corso like somebody might know something (laughs) now it Wake Forest does not have a marauding defense. They have a better defense. They they have this is the number, and then I'll just shut up and make my pick. 39 fifth, sixth, and seventh year players. All right. So there's going to be a sense at home where they won't get rattled. That said, the Sam Hartman was not sharp Saturday. Uh they need like mid-form 2021 clicking on all cylinders, Sam Hartman, and that just wasn't it. Now, obviously, he had a you know significant medical condition that kept him out for about a month. Uh it will be interesting to see if them surviving Liberty gets them focused and, and going, but I, I have to take Clemson off of, uh, off of empirical evidence. Well, com- congrats in advance to Wake Forest. Then um, yes. we know what happens when we're <laughs> unanimous and we're going to be unanimous here. Like from a number standpoint, not even worrying about the matchups from a number standpoint, uh, my SP plus says more like a 10 point game here than seven. So obviously that gives a Clemson lean as well. So it, it is kind of a, a weird spot for Wake Forest right now. I was looking through some of their stats. They're they're 28th in passing success, right? Obviously, Hartman's only been part of that. But, I mean, passing game's fine. As, as he gets sharper, it's it's going to get even better. And, and everything's fine there. They're 119th in rushing success rate. That that run game, the slow mesh, all that, all that stuff just isn't really working this year. And, and that's kind of interesting. And it's not going to work against Clemson. We know Clemson uh, is, we know everything that their front has to offer, but their, their past defense has been really sketchy. And, you know, we knew that there were going to be some new pieces there, but it's been sketchier than I really expected it to be early on here. And they have, you know, 42 points in three games isn't just a ton to allow, but when you play Georgia Tech Furman and Louisiana Tech, 14 is a little more than you would expect. So, I mean, 14 per game, that is. So, I, yeah, I, I, I keep trying to talk myself into Wake, but Clemson's run game is doing really, really well. The Wake defense still isn't very good. And then, like you said, 
uh, the line dramatically favors the defensive line play dramatically favors Clemson. So I, I have to reluctantly uh, agree with everyone here, and we know what that typically means. It is good. Baylor headed to Iowa State, a three-point favorite. The Cyclones are. Let's go, Pete. Bill Reese. Well, this has been a uh, a wondrous slog of a series. Baylor by two last year. Iowa State by a touchdown in Ames the year before. Baylor by two in Waco previously. I don't have a ton of conviction in this game, and and when that happens, I am because I, there's a lot of new. Right, you've got generally new starters at quarterback. You've got just enough to to make me go with you know what the the let's go with the home team here, and I'm going to take Iowa State and just think Xavier Hutchinson can make enough plays and have enough wiggle to uh, to to allow the Cyclones to to hold on. I would I would bet the under in this game too. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's going to be, you know, we've got two new quarterbacks we heard a lot of good things about in the offseason. Hunter Deckers for Iowa State, we heard just nonstop great things about him from spring ball and and fans were buying in uh, massively, which isn't that surprising with a new quarterback. But um, he against Ohio and Southeast Missouri State was pretty much perfect against Iowa. He pretty much was the opposite of that. Um, against a very, very good Iowa defense. And and so it's, it's kind of hard. It's been conflicting impressions so far. It's also been conflicting impressions for Blake Shapin. He's he's holding onto the ball too long. He's got a receiving core that's very, very – that's still trying to gel. Uh, they lost a ton from last year. Uh, he's He's been mostly solid, but uh, he, he does take some sacks, and Iowa State could take advantage of that. I feel – I don't feel like I we know nearly enough about Iowa State at this point, but I like what I've seen so far from the defense, especially. This feels like a particularly John Haycock defense so far, and I figure they make enough stops. So especially with the points there, I'm going to go with the home team too. I'm going to go with Baylor. I don't have a lot of conviction on this game either. And shaping holding the ball with Will McDonald the fourth out there gives you pause for sure. But I think – when in doubt, you go with the team that you think is a little better, a little more proven, and if you're going to give me a field goal uh, in a game that I think will likely be decided by about a field goal one way or the other, I'll take the underdog, and uh, the road dog, and I'll take Baylor in the points. It's a football Friday, and if you're searching for more football content to get you primed for the weekend, look no further. ESPN Podcast and Omaha Productions have been hard at work on a ton of NFL content. Your options for listening include the Dominique Foxworth Show, the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, Kyle Brandt's Basement, Fantasy Focus Football, the Adam Schefter Podcast, and the Bill Barnwell Show. Look, I know that's a lot, but there's nothing wrong with having options. You can follow all of those shows wherever you're listening to this podcast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It is good! This is the ESPN hates my favorite team game of the week. Duke going to Kansas, a Kansas a seven and a half point favorite. Let's go, Bill Reese Pete. Oh man, like this is this is fun. I like that this game 
you know, obviously this is a game to, to have, you know, the maximum amount of gravity. We got to have it pretty early before they actually start losing games. But, um, you know, I, I love that these teams, that these fan bases are energized and I love what these quarterbacks have had to offer so far. Um, you know, I do my weekly, I award the Heisman each week in my Monday column and, um, like right now, Jalen Daniels is in the top five in terms of just week to week points. Uh, he's just been so fun and, and he's capitalized on everything we thought we saw from him late last year. And Kansas is a really fun team. I, I, I don't, I, their defense still is not trustworthy even slightly and it's going to backfire on them when we get further into conference play. But I think, what do we say the line was in this game? Seven, seven and a half. Man, now I'm talking myself out of it. If it was six and a half, I would definitely be going Kansas. So this is pretty tricky because Duke can also move the ball. Um, I, I, I'm reversing course mid. I, I think Kansas wins, but uh, that's probably a little bit too much of a too high a line for for a team with this defense. So uh, high scoring, I, I would definitely. I'm hoping this one goes over because it'll be a lot more fun that way. But I guess I'll I'll, I'll lean Duke with those points. Let me first address what you said, Taylor, at the beginning, the ESPN hates my favorite team uh, motif. I know some people at Kansas were upset. We can, we can tend to be a prisoner of the moment when it comes to selecting game day sites. You go to Appalachian State, it's off the beaten path. You get an unbelievable scene, and you think, where's another off the beaten path uh, place to go the following week? Well, Kansas and Duke are both undefeated. That's an unusual thing. All of these basketball powers are undefeated. Kansas, Duke, uh, Indiana, uh, Carolina, uh, which seems like Carolina's lost, but they haven't. Anyway, I digress. You've got to wait a little bit. You've got to earn it a little bit more to get game day to come to Larrytown for football. Well, we've been there a thousand times for basketball, and I love it. Uh, there is nothing, uh, there are a few culinary delights that are bad for you better than going to the wheel and getting a Wang burger, which is a burger with a nice fried egg or two on it. Delicious. Um, and I love going to Larrytown, but you're going to have to show me a little bit more first before you get game day. I mean, the poor people up in the Palouse sent a flag around the country for 15 years <laughs> before they finally got a visit from college game day. So I'm not apologizing for not being in Lawrence uh, this week. That said, I really like uh, what Lance Leipold is doing. Bill has hit on Jalen Daniels, who I think is terrific. Mike Elko is absolutely the perfect guy at Duke. He fits like, like, a, a, like a pair of trousers that just are perfectly tailored and suit you just right, but it won't be enough. Too much offense uh, for Kansas, and I say I will take Rock Chalk Jayhawk and the cover while still not apologizing for game day not being there. <laughs> Unbelievable stat. Somebody told me last night, and I looked it up to confirm it. Kansas has not been favored over a Power 5 team since November of 2009. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of since 2009 uh, stats coming out over these last few weeks. Yes, that is unbelievable, yet completely believable. <laughs> So I give Kansas a ton of credit. I give Lance Leipold a ton of credit. They have uh, two of their four captains are Buffalo transfers. They have a left guard from Central Missouri named Dominic Puny. They have uh, one of their best wide receivers is a walk-on, Quentin Skinner, who got put on scholarship. They are just sort of this band of misfits that has come together and given us a rollicking good September. God bless them. I don't know if I think they're going to win by seven and a half points. So, and look, Mike Elko has done an unbelievable job at Duke. I got a feature uh, 
that is coming out today on ESPN.com on Friday about Elko and what he's built and how he's built it there and a little bit about his uh, his path. And there is, uh, I think, a, a genuine excitement there that he can chart that program on a course like Dave Clawson has done at Wake. So I think they cover, but again, uh, talk about a no conviction pick. Like I, it's just <laughs> like, it, it, I, again, I go back to like self misery index. Like if I pick Kansas to win by more than a touchdown on, and they're down 14 to nothing on Saturday, I'm just going to like face palm myself. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to predict this game is the slog that it is. And Kansas figures out a way to win uh, tight. So, so I got Duke. Lance Leipold is the best culture builder in college football at this point. Um, that, that's just, that's, I, I want, I went there in the spring. I wrote about it because I wanted to write a good culture piece. That's not something I've had many opportunities to do. And, and it's just incredible the way they go about getting buy-in, the way they develop players that, you know, that, that, that are former walk-ons or D2 athletes or whatever. It's, it's been incredible to watch. I did not expect it to take shape this quickly. They're up to like a 35% chance of bowling at this point in my, uh, wow. SP plus ratings. I start to, I think they started the year at like 1% or 2%. So, I mean, un- unreal job this so, so far. We just have to see if they can keep it going. That, that's another reason, Bill, that he should be on Nebraska's list. Yeah, they I'm not saying should be, yeah, I'm not saying he should be at the top of it necessarily, but guys like uh, Lance, a, a guy that I love that I've brought up before about Nebraska, Jeff Munkin at Army, uh, both of those guys would be wins that maybe the fan base immediately wouldn't, you know, wouldn't say that's, it's not like the splashy Scott Frost hire, but that's the type of guy Nebraska needs. Because if you can, if you, I know it's early returns, if you can do it a little bit at Kansas, do it at Buffalo, and we know what he did at, at Whitewater. What more can you do with the resources and tradition and history that you have at Nebraska? But you yep. need that type of guy there. Uh, he, he's another guy along with Munkin that I think would be a, a win there. Taylor. Beth Mowens loves a good steak. We all know that. Uh, Florida going to Tennessee. Tennessee a 10.5-point favorite. And uh, is is Dan Mullen going to get the uh, Rocky Top stuck in his head during this week? Let's hope not. Let's go Reese, Pete, Bill. That's a big number. <laughs> but this is, this is Rocky Top's moment. They're going to excise some demons. They're going to... Uh, get rid of some frustration. They've lost 16 of 17 to the hated Gators. They've lost, I think, 41 of their last 44 to the big three uh, in terms of their big three rivals of uh, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. This is the day that they will give their all for Tennessee. This is the day that they are the team that makes the fewest mistakes and they will win. This is the day that they play for and make the breaks. And when one comes their way, they will score. If at the first of the game, the breaks go against you, don't let up. Tennessee will just put on more steam. Tennessee will protect its kickers, their quarterbacks, their lead, and their game. They will ball, they will cover, they will block, they will cut, they will slice, they will pursue and gang tackle for this is the winning edge. They will press the kicking game because here is where the breaks are made and they will carry the fight to the Gators and they will keep it there for 60 minutes and the big orange will win and cover a dollar to each of you. If you know what it was, I was just quoting. I was about to look up uh, Nealon's maxims to, to post some of them. And boy, Bill. I started to real, uh, recognize what you were saying. Very good. boy. Tennessee covers.
I'm going to skip the pep talk and, uh, <laughs> and, and and agree with you. I just don't think Florida is that talented right now. I think we all got bedazzled a little bit by Anthony Richardson. And from talking to people at Florida this week, you can argue that the next four best players on their offense were all brought in by Billy Napier. Johnson, the tailback, ATN, the tailback, O'Torrance, the guard, and uh, Ricky Pearsall, the receiver from Arizona State. Now, again, you could you could really dive down some rabbit holes if you really wanted to start going Florida personnel arguments. But the point of that was there was a, some talent deficit there. I think that shows, and I do think Dan Mall made this point on our podcast on Wednesday, I do think Florida has the kind of corners – very good corners who could slow down this Tennessee offense. I just don't think they're going to be able to score with them. And eventually in that environment with a, with a young inexperienced team, they're going to get worn down. Yeah. I think um, the theme of the week, as I've been kind of piecing together my Friday column is that it's kind of strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness. in a lot of the, the big games this week, this one's no exception when Florida has the ball. I mean, they've been running the ball like crazy and, and Richardson's been a part of that, but I mean, Johnson, right. And, and ATN are averaging 7.1 yards per carry over about 24 a game. That's fantastic. Um, you know, can't pass, but Tennessee uh, defends the run really, really well. And uh, granted against pretty iffy competition, they've shown maybe a little bit of vulnerability against the pass as well. So uh, those are the hardest matchups to figure out. I I do figure like if this wasn't Tennessee, Florida, we wouldn't be really questioning any sort of, you know, can Tennessee win by double digits things. I I looked up in our gambling database over the last 40 years, you know, how, how often has Tennessee been favored by this much? The answer is they haven't Uh, the biggest, uh, the, I think the biggest, Biggest line they've had in their favor was minus five. That was an 0-2 when they lost by 17. So uh, it's a weird matchup, and, it, and and obviously Tennessee's history makes us kind of question them. But on paper, Tennessee's double digits better than Florida at this stage in the game, I think. Uh, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Tennessee despite that uh, lovely history. This means Riva Labe, our social media uh, ninja, is going to be very happy because we went all balls, and she is a hardcore gator. She is a hardcore gator, and she <laughs> will she will be irate on Saturday <laughs> if the game starts going sideways for uh, for the Gators. It is good. All right, next up we've got Minnesota getting some respect, a three point favorite going to Michigan State. Let's go Pete Bill Reese on this one. Well, I will uh, take a take a quick bow for the only good call I've had this season. And I had Minnesota. It was my lock over Colorado last year. And you know when like the haze in the barn at halftime, you feel really good about that. I just don't think Michigan State has the offense to score with Minnesota. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. But I, I just don't see how Michigan State can keep up offensively with Minnesota. So I think this ends up being like a 21-7 kind of game. And I think Minnesota goes in and, and, and rolls. I, I think the uh, fighting flex are sneaky good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they've been obviously playing New Mexico State, Western Illinois, and Colorado. I don't even, I don't even know which one of those three is the worst of the bunch, really. <laughs> but, I mean, they've, they've destroyed those teams. And, and that might mean something just because Minnesota doesn't usually – you know, they keep things extremely vanilla. It's frustrated the fans through the years because they've let lesser teams kind of hang around a little bit because they just don't want to reveal anything early in the year. They stick to the basics. And those basics have outscored opponents 149 to 17 so far. That's probably a really good sign. They're third in success rate on offense and second on defense. They're first in points per drive. They're fifth in points per drive allowed. Again, horrible opposition thus far. 
but I think that probably still means something here. My numbers are still leaning towards Michigan State just because of you know you know preseason projections and, and priors and all that stuff. But I th- I do think uh, despite I don't the, despite the fact that I don't think going against my numbers has worked very well for me in this uh, in these picks podcasts, I am going to lean towards the Gophers just because I think they're a little sharper right now. Don't you no, know Chris Ottman Bell? By the way, people yeah, should yeah, know that. Sure. Uh, yeah, Minnesota's best receiver is out. I just sorry to butt in. Right? No, no, no. You're you're right. That is a, a missing piece of the offense. Uh, Muhammad Ibrahim is second in the nation in rushing. That's what Minnesota's built on is running the ball. I picked them to win the West in the preseason. I think they were the best team in the West going in, and I still think that. And Bill, don't you analytics guys uh, put a lot of stock in not just who you play while it's important how you play yes and it is it is beyond dispute that they've played horrible teams up to this point but they crushed them yeah so that should stand for something michigan state's going to be a little bit you know there's a bounce back factor when you get when you get pushed around the way they did by washington the other night you come home uh you have a little bit of a we've got to rally and respond type of feel to it I'm going to I'm going to stick with the Gophers man. I'm going to keep rowing that boat. I think Minnesota goes in uh to the banks of the Red Cedar and they cover. And I think Minnesota uh starts to starts to become a story. They're not as good as Ohio State, they're probably not as good as Michigan. But I think they become a story and and start to rise uh up up the polls. They're not ranked yet. I've had them ranked for a yeah. few weeks, uh, but they should be and they will be after this week. I I'm going with the Gophers. We are. That's three unanimous picks on our part. We are going to do horribly. Oh, Congratulations, yeah. Mel Tucker. Way to go. Way to bounce back. Poor group think. That's what this podcast should be renamed. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is good. We talked about the uh, power of the pucker, pucker power uh, the other day, and you sprinkled it in with some Pac-12 games. But JMU going to Appalachian State. Appalachian State is seven-point favorite. I wonder if there could be a little bit of puckering in Boone. <laughs> Let's go uh, Bill Reese-Pete on this one. If App State hadn't had their scare last week, uh, they, they were just kind of, they were slogging along. Tro- Troy's a solid team, um, but they just did not look all that sharp against Troy. Every time they had a chance to go ahead and take the lead or put the game you know, in a more comfortable position, they, they blew it. And then, of course, they, they score on a Hail Mary and win anyway. Uh, if they hadn't had that scare, I would be leaning so hard into James Madison right now because I think... Jamie was, has been super sharp this year. They, um, you know, Signetti, when I talked to him in the offseason, the head coach there at JMU, he, he pointed out, like, one of the biggest issues you have when you go from FCS to FBS is scholarships and, you know, having to build that roster out over time. You start with 63, you got to work up to 85. But because of the COVID rules last year and how all that, that all played out, they were, like, 81. So they, they've got FBS depth already. The, the skill they showed against Middle Tennessee has been, was super high level, and I, I think they're going to do really well this year. I think App State's just going to be a little sharper than they were last week, though. And um, they don't win by a ton, but I figure they, win, uh, they cover at least. Okay, so you, you're going Appalachian State to cover? Yeah. I, I really, really hesitate to go against my – uh, several thousand new best friends against people who asked me to sign uh, their forehead and their cheek, <laughs> the the upper cheek, not the lower one. I would have declined that as we detailed earlier. But there is a, a reservoir of emotion that sometimes can get tapped out. And I know what you mean about getting a scare, but nobody's had a wilder September <laughs> than the Mountaineers. Three weeks of it. And now you come back 
against a team that you probably institutionally have some familiarity with because of their their days at the FCS level. I'm going to take the points. I think Appalachian State will probably pull it out of the fire, but I'm going to take uh, uh, my former best friends from when game day went to James Madison, father of the Constitution, mother of game day crowds, and I, I'm going to I'm going to go with the Dukes and take the points. I think they might. Uh, maybe there's going to be another Hail Mary in the future, mm-hmm. another a wild and crazy fourth quarter. But you give me points after the amount of emotion that App State has expended the last three weeks, I'm going to take uh, James Madison and the points. The only thing that's been consistent about App State this season is they've been defined about playing close games. Yeah. Right. Um, (laughs) Now, it could be a 40-point fourth quarter in a close game in the 60s, or it could be a uh, 17 and 14 take the air out of the ball game in College Station. So, I've seen just enough from JMU, and again, they had a bye last week, which is a little weird. Hey, yeah. welcome to the welcome to the Sun Belt. You get that early September bye. I don't have faith in App winning by more than a touchdown, so I am going to uh, I'm going to take the Dukes and the points. They're a program that knows how to win, and winning winning translates. Next up, Oregon, a six and a half point favorite going to Washington State. Let's go, Reese, Pete, Bill. I've got a question. What is that that we keep hearing? <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a cow. What is that sound effect that you've added to this podcast? Uh, it's is the cow you're going to buy me in, in December for my ribeye. Well, maybe, but still, what what is that, Taylor? We've got a uh, you know a cow uh, moving as it is in. Gulfed in flames, um, you know, ready to be prepared and, <laughs> and put on your plate. And then uh, Beth Moens confirming that the steak is indeed good and delicious. So uh, I thought that was just a little fun flavor for the big oh, show. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> Beth, I'm glad Beth's making an appearance uh, on the podcast. So I'm, I'm giving six and a half if I take the ducks, Washington state, right? This is one of those, uh, this is one of those pack 12 road traps. This is a difficult place to play, particularly if you're coming off, uh, a big win as Oregon is, but they were impressive against BYU, probably a little something to prove after the face plant against Georgia. Washington State hasn't done on offense what I thought they might when Cameron Ward came in, maybe improving as he goes, but he's still been sacked a lot, he's thrown three interceptions. They've played close games. I think Oregon's too talented. I think they can get pressure on the quarterback. And I'm going to say that Oregon covers this Barely, not without some scares, but I will say Oregon covers barely. All right, We're, we've got to go in tempo here. So I'm going to, I'm basically going to take two road favorites and hate myself in these <laughs> Pac-12 games. So that that, that, that I, I I will just sum it up that way. It goes against all my instincts. It goes against all the empirical evidence of the first few weeks. But uh, I just think from a, I don't trust Washington State's offense to be able to score with uh, Oregon. So. I will take the Ducks who've gone through a little adversity and that can, that can shape you and get you going quick. Yeah. This is another one of those strength versus strength, weakness versus weakness things. I have a lot more questions about Oregon's defense right now, but I have a lot more questions about Washington state's offense too. I'm not really sure how that matchup shakes out. So I'm just going to lean on the fact that Oregon, even against Georgia, Oregon was very efficient moving the ball. They didn't get any big plays. And so they eventually stalled out every time against Georgia, but they moved the ball better than the three points they scored uh, would suggest. And then they've, you know, scored 111 points since. So I do think, you know, as long as Bo Nix, you know, Bo Nix on the road, um, you know, we, yeah. we haven't seen much of bad Bo the last two weeks and, and maybe 
he starts to try to do too much and, and this game turns pretty quickly. But the bow that we've seen, even against Georgia, he only had a couple of those passes. I, I, I trust that version of what we've seen so far. So I'm going to, I also kind of hate myself already because it'd be super fun if Washington State, if this game went down to the wire, but I do trust Oregon a little more right now. Can't you see Bo Nix like running in a Palouse fog, like backwards with like the dun 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 dun. That's that's all I want for from life. Although I can't root <laughs> for it now because I just picked Oregon. <laughs> You're a simple man, Bill Connolly. We appreciate that. <laughs> it is good. We got another big one in College Station. They uh, the Aggies are a two point favorite over the incoming Arkansas Razorbacks. Let's go, Pete Bill Reese. I will take functional quarterback play over dysfunctional quarterback play. And so I will take uh, I will take Arkansas going in and winning. That game so that game used to be in Dallas. It's, it's in Ar- I thought it was still in Arlington. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's in Arlington. Okay. Yeah, it's not in College Station. Yes, yes. Um, we used to call it the Walmart parking lot on our old podcast because there's like a Walmart right there at the uh, at the star. So um yeah, take uh, take the hogs and the long receipts. I, in the end, leaning for, you know, A&M's line play against Miami's actual quarterbacking last week ended up being the right call. It, it, uh, I wasn't sure it was going to be, but for this week, I guess I'm going to go A&M again. Basically, in the end, Arkansas kind of spooked me last week uh, with their pass defense. Not that that's going to matter against A&M, uh, but their defense really has been uh, shaky so far. This could be a good – Anaya Smith started to look good last week, even if they still only scored 17 points. I'm going to talk myself into that, uh, you know, because once again, it's strength versus strength when Arkansas has got the ball against A&M's very, very good defense. I guess – I guess I'm going A and M uh, with points and whatnot because I certainly don't. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't love them otherwise. You hate Barry Odom, Missouri grad. Oh, I loved. I had. I had a number thirty nine jersey when I was a freshman. Wow, in, uh, Missouri. You love um, Barry Odom. I love. Yeah, and your numbers you know, don't. <laughs> my numbers certainly don't right now, and that's what I'm leaning on. Bill Connolly owned a Barry Odom jersey. What a gem! Uh, that that is a nugget that you just don't get anywhere else. Oh, that's yeah. right. I, I was a. I was That's a what I want on dork. your backdrop, not like this prism, this beige prism That's right. backdrop you got right there. Uh, number thirty nine. Yeah, send send money, <laughs> send help. I was a hapless dork right from the start. I never had a chance in life. <laughs> I, I have the same worries that you guys do about Arkansas, and I, I sat there almost slack jawed watching them almost let. Petrino hop on the Harley and ride out of there with a win. <laughs> um, that was too easy. I'm sorry. My apologies. Uh, it, it did bother me. I know A&M hasn't shown a lot on the on the in the past game front. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Aggies too, uh, and and say that perhaps Appalachian State was a bit of an aberration. Another low scoring game like uh, like Miami. If it gets up into the upper twenties, then I'll be <laughs> wrong about this pick. But uh, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go A and M and lay the two. It is good. Kansas State heading to Oklahoma. Oklahoma, thirteen point favorite. Let's go, Bill Reese, Pete. I'm absolutely going against my numbers in this one. I got like SP Plus has OU by sixteen, and after what we saw last week, it makes perfect sense. I'm not falling for it though. Um, last week was the perfect. Oh, OU's going to be this. They're going to run away with everything now, and Kansas State actually stinks. 
uh, with what they with what oh you did against Nebraska and Kansas State did against Tulane. Uh, but I, I still trust K State to keep this one close. They're not going to win, I don't think. They just don't have enough to offer on offense. I, I was hoping for the best when it came to Adrian Martinez there, and and it certainly has not started off. We're already seeing the you know will he have to replace Martinez rumors and all that. Uh, so this could implode. But I trust the Kansas State culture there. Um, they're going to come up with some tricks. And, you know, even if they only lose by 7 to 10, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that they do that. Kansas State has been a problem for Oklahoma, even if they've scared them or beaten them a couple of times. They beat them uh, in 2020, the week after losing to Arkansas State, and they yeah. did it in Norman. They've turned in a few years before that a terrible performance against TCU and then almost beat uh, that, that great 2017 Oklahoma team, and they should have, for whatever reason, a different regime at OU, but K-State has given them fits. Um, I could not have been more stunned by the outcome of the Tulane game last week. Uh, Willie Fritz is back and alive. I was really high on Kansas State, and I thought Martinez would, would play better than he has up to this point. And I'm still taking Kansas State and the points. Uh, I probably shouldn't. They scared me to death last yep. week. They shook my confidence in them, but I'm I'm going to rely on a little bit of history of Kansas State playing poorly and then getting Oklahoma and playing either over their heads or to the utmost of their ability. So I'm going to say uh, Deuce will make a couple plays. Martinez played pretty well against OU last year in a Nebraska uniform. So I, I'm going to take Kansas State in the points with the, with the idea that OU will still win the game. So I have some faith in the – just the ethos of Kansas State's program, special teams, defense, but I also have some faith in their defensive line where I just don't think Oklahoma is going to be able to march up and down the field. Kansas State's won two of three in this series. Uh, Felix Nduke Uzoma is one of the better defensive linemen in the Big 12, and I think he'll be able to flummox Dylan Gabriel enough, slow them down some, and, uh, yeah, I look for uh, – for I'm not going to be so bold as to, uh, as to call a win, but I could look for a salty little cover – which means Oklahoma is going to win. Oh, man, like we are, we're yeah. doing this all <laughs> yes. this week. Yes, yes, we really are. We are joining forces and jumping off to like jumping off the mountain together. Holy I, I haven't, I haven't Dylan done it. Dylan is Barry Odom here. jersey. Hey, <laughs> you, somebody, somebody add up at the end of the podcast. We're about to make our last pick and see just how many games that we group thinked on. Yes. Uh, so we're, and we can update that. on Twitter on Saturday how what yeah. our what our group think record is. Yeah. I'm going to go three and seven this week and still lead heading into next week. <laughs> yeah, you're like Bo Pelini over. Yeah, Bo Pelini over over Scott Frost. You can you can go you can go on a you can go on a losing streak and still have a better uh, <laughs> yeah that's a, yeah that's a, that's Bill's record. strategy now. He's going to that's right. I'm just going yeah, to try to stay ahead of us. <laughs> Strategery. All right, give it give us the last one. Last one, USC, a six and a half point favorite traveling to Corvallis. Will it get weird? Reese Pete Bill. Going to get weird. Sooner Ooh. or later, the Trojans are going to face some adversity, and that is going to come at 630 Pacific time in Corvallis. It's only six and a half. I wish I had another point or two to work with, yeah. but I'm... I think one of these Pac-12 road traps is going to be sprung. I don't think Washington State's good enough. I think Oregon State's pretty good. The turnover luck can't continue. I mean, <laughs> SC has, has collected 10 turnovers. They've yet to turn the football over. Oregon State's been pretty good in collecting them, but they've given some up. 
If Oregon State, if Chance Nolan throws interceptions, if they put the ball on the deck, then this game will get out of hand. If they don't, and if maybe this isn't going to be a season-long thing where all the turnovers go SC's way, um, then Oregon State might have a chance for the monumental outright upset. As it is, I'm going to say that this is the one that gets to the edge. Lincoln Riley faces his first bit of adversity. Caleb Williams looks around and goes, wow, this looks a lot like Manhattan or like uh, Ames or someplace. And I'm going to take Oregon State in the points. So it hasn't been a great week for the Pac-12, right? George Klyovkov went on some uh, went on a podcast and started like sprouting completely untrue things about UCLA's budget. Uh, I thought it was pretty embarrassing, uh, just for the league that you know. I don't know a lot about math, but that that math didn't seem to add up very well. <laughs> and the worst thing that could happen to the Pac-12 is them losing social media on Saturday night when the world is trying to watch this game on the Pac-12 network and can't. So they could really be in for like a pretty unique Pac-12 daily double here uh, coming up. And uh, that said, I will, uh, I, as much as I want the Beeb and I've been on the Beeb bandwagon, as our podcast listeners know, I just think the Trojans have too much firepower. If Oregon State can play keep away, which is a hard way to live, per- perhaps they can, they can cover or win. And I wouldn't be stunned if they won, but I, uh, I, I feel awful taking two road. I just, I just feel like a poser taking two road favorites, but I'm I'm going to be a poser. <laughs> uh, I'll join you, I guess. I, so, yeah, first of all, the, the turnovers luck thing has been amazing with the formula I use for that in terms of, you know, how much you can expect to re- recover fumbles and intercept passes. It's been like 12, 13 points per game that they've benefited from turnovers so far. And that, uh, from turnovers luck, I should say. They're generating a lot of turnover chances, but they're still securing those interceptions a little too easily. And um, that's probably going to progress. I think what we've seen so far from USC is that we know their fatal flaws and we know when they lose, we know kind of how it's going to happen. They can't stop the run at all. Um, they've just been dreadful uh, defending the run so far. And Caleb Williams, he doesn't face a ton of pressure, but he's a little too—he's a little too poised, we'll say, in the pocket, and he ends up taking more sacks than he should. Um, so basically, they can't stop the run. They can't protect Williams, uh, and a game turns on them in the second half, and and they lose. I don't think Oregon State has the pass rush. That's the major thing. Deshaun Fenwick in the run game really could get going a little bit and they could control the ball to a certain degree. I don't think they're going to make Williams uncomfortable enough, even though this is an improved defense. So just from that alone, even if the turnovers luck doesn't, even if the turnovers fairy doesn't keep granting them wishes here, I think they're probably have enough to win by 10 or 14 in the end. And now I'm good because I'm going to be rooting for a crazy game in Corvallis late at night. Um, and if it doesn't happen and UFC wins comfortably, then I got the pick right instead. You know, you get the Pac-12 network, Bill. I do not. So I, uh, well, I'll just be following along on Twitter. I yeah. I do. Someone send me a bandit uh, link for that, please. Yeah. Night. <laughs> Somebody stream it on on Twitch with like showing their feet, like they did for that OU game a couple of years ago. <laughs> you know, Pete is, is that OU Army. Up, yeah. Yeah. Pete has brought up a couple of times what Oregon State did to SC last year in the Coliseum, and I'm sure that. USC would really be anxious for payback in this game if there were any players for USC who were actually in a Trojan <laughs> uniform in that game players. last year. I know there. You guys players. lost to them last year. Yeah, what really? happened? How'd you guys lose that game? <laughs> you lost. They scored forty-five. Yeah, wow! <laughs> Imagine that happened. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Oh, what what's the tally, uh, Taylor, on groupthink versus out versus two to one picks? 
split down the center, five group think picks and five, uh, you know, everyone else on their own island. So let's let's get your locks real quick. And that uh, that'll be, you know, oh, kind boy. of the uh, the breaking point here in the middle. What what's the rule for locks? Is it does it a game we've already picked or is it something else? I think you got to go new. I think that's all right. All right, that's so my I, hunch. I mean, okay, we're just yeah, making this up as we go think, along, but I just think that I think we should do that too. Okay, yeah, yeah. Save me for last. I got to find one because it was uh, uh, Clemson's my lock. I mean, that's that's going to happen. <laughs> that's right. You're pretty bold and confident yeah. in that. Uh, yeah, because Indiana fans are already mad at me. I'll just lean into that a little bit. There are a couple of over picks that are looking pretty good. Arkansas State at 57 and a half looks good if you can get it around there. UMass over 44. Uh, I think that's pretty good. But we'll just lean into the the villainy here, and I'll say Cincinnati minus 13 or so. I'm going to roll with uh, with Penn State. Uh, they are they have proven to be an explosive offensive team, and uh, Central Michigan really showed some uh really showed some struggles this year early with uh with South Al. So I think uh you know Penn State at home nice noon kick. You got some you got some tailbacks to keep happy that you're going to be running 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 the ball. Um obviously they have the two elite freshman tailbacks and they've got some darn good veterans who they're going to want to keep feeding to keep everybody happy in that backfield. So I think Penn State runs it up and down on the old Chippewas and can cover that 28 with some ease. I'm going to stay in the Big Ten, and I am a believer in the Maryland offense. I think Maryland's a pretty good team, but not good enough. So oh. I'm going to I'm going to take the Wolverines and lay the point. Another example of what we talked about with Minnesota. Michigan has played nobody. This is really like Michigan's first game of the season. Yeah. The rest of it's been NFL preseason, or getting a look at a lot of guys and, and seeing what they can do. But they've done what they were supposed to do, and they look good doing it. So I, I think that Maryland will have a really hard time uh, stopping them. Probably a couple of turnovers will will do in the Terps. So right now the number I see is 16.5, so I'm going to say that a lock is Michigan laying 16.5 on Maryland. Dan Mullen, they have people who can score from Wednesday's pod. They do have people that can score, and I look, I'm – I like Maryland. I really do. If this game were if this game were at Maryland, I'd probably take the points. But going into the big house, uh, Michigan riled up for the first real game. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. The real lock is Clemson covering against Wake Forest. That's the lock. But we we've got to go off the board for something different, gentlemen. Always enjoy it. Great job on the picks. They will be exercises and futility. And if people uh, choose wisely about when to go against us, it will be a profitable weekend for all. Thanks for listening to the College Game Day podcast. Be sure to download it wherever you prefer to get your podcast. We'll see you next week.